We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 169. The Yankees took care of business this weekend. We had Baltimore take care of business on the Red Sox for us. Scott, I'm feeling good. Good for the Baltimore Orioles to start showing their face in a positive way for the Yankees. This was uh, this was big news. They come into Boston and the Fenway and just kick the Red Sox ass out of absolutely nowhere. Very, very good stuff by the Orioles. We really, truly appreciate it. It was good stuff. And they've actually put their name back into the wild card hunt if you look at all of the standings. So, I mean, I guess they're a team that we need to watch out for considering they just uh, swept the Red Sox. You are almost out of Boston, and I think on your last day, we need a final tally of what the Red Sox and Yankees record was as you were living in the shadows of Fenway Park. It's true, and I haven't done it in a long time, and it's definitely different from when I first started doing it and got excited about it. I definitely went quiet (laughs) once the Yankees started losing a little bit and the Red Sox... It was going the wrong way for a minute. Yeah, yeah, so I usually don't promote things that aren't in my favor, um, but it may be swinging back into my (laughs) favor. It's basically the news these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to play. You got to play the game to be in the game. Uh, but you are you are almost out of Boston. But you've been there for a while. It's been a it's been a good stay. You have not been there as long as I have, though. We got this whole podcast is is hitting the road pretty soon. Yes, I am very excited. If you're if you've seen any of the uh, things I've posted on social media, uh, my my son is doing is doing well in recovery. He had heart surgery after he was born and is doing very well right now and has progressed. 
quite quite well. We've been in the hospital for about a month, which is uh, which is about a month that I ever want to be in a hospital again in my life. But um, they did its job. Boston, uh, the Boston doctors did their jobs, and we're truly appreciative to it. And uh, the city of Boston itself, not the Red Sox, but the city of Boston has been great. But I am ready to get the F out of the city, out of this state, and go back home and just not come back for a very long time. And that very well might be happening. Today, Monday, is the uh, day that you guys are listening to this. Uh, from, from what everything we heard, we're getting discharged and we are going to stay local for a few days. And then we're hitting the road. And I cannot be more excited about it. So big, big stuff. That's amazing. I almost feel stupid following that up with, with some news of my own because there is no more important news than, than Kemp doing well That's, and getting out of the hospital. I appreciate it, but, but you I do too, have good news. It's big news. I do have good news as well. I am, I am leaving Boston after seven years, and I am heading to New York City. Uh, so a, a podcast, a Yankees podcast, the number one podcast in iTunes as far as Yankees goes. Well, at least have one member who's in the city of the team that we're talking about. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, it's a it's a good thing. I know you have been talking about this for a long time. So congratulations. This is a, a long time coming. Hopefully I will be right behind you very soon. And uh, we could do this thing in, more, in person a lot more often. But no, this is big stuff. This is, uh, this is good news. The fact that we're both leaving Boston at the height of the new rivalry. Is that, can we call it that? Or the beginning of the height of the new rivalry? I don't know. But it's a good time to leave Boston. That's all I got to say. I was uh, obviously, my girlfriend is super psyched about me moving to New York. And then I dropped the bomb on her that I plan on going to Yankee Stadium quite often. And she was a little less excited about the move. So she's probably not going to go every time I want to go to a game. So I'm going to need people to hang out with at the stadium. So what I'm saying is, if you're going to be at at Yankee Stadium, tweet me because I'm probably going to be there as well. And we need to hang out. Also something she should have probably predicted, though. Got to say that. Probably should have had that one in the back of her mind. The writing was on the wall. Everyone who I've told at work, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm moving to New York. They're like, oh, so you just wanted to get closer to the Yankees? I'm like, yeah, kind of, pretty much. <laughs> kind of, pretty much, yep. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Yankees game, September 30th, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. We have an awesome package for everybody. $59 gets you a game ticket to the September 30th game. That's a Saturday afternoon game against the Blue Jays. The Yankees are going to be right in the hunt of things, maybe clinching a wild card or even going for the division at that point. Included in that package, you get a T-shirt. Scott is is designing the t-shirt. I've seen the preliminary designs. It is awesome. You also get a uh, two-hour pregame at the Bronx Brewery, which is located in the South Bronx, which includes two beers on us, uh, one on the brewery, one on one on the podcast, and you get $4 pints after that. So it's a great deal. We're all going to be heading over to the stadium after the pregame in preparation for that 4 o'clock game. We want to get a ton of people there. I know it's going to, if it's anything like last time, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. I loved how everybody was screaming their ass off. And it was a perfect game last time because the Yankees blew out Baltimore in the first inning. But I'm hoping for something like that again. Yeah, definitely. The uh, the Bronx Banner Ale uh, from the Bronx Brewery is going to be the featured beer. That's the one we've been promoting all season pretty much with our with our relationship with the uh, with the brewery. So two Bronx Banner Ale 16-ounce beers for free uh, that comes with your ticket. And then after that, it's $4 Banner Ales uh, at the stadium or at the stadium at the brewery until the uh, the pregame's over, which will be around three. And then we'll all head over to the stadium. We want to make sure we just leave enough time to get over there. Uh, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. I'm pumped up for it. The T-shirt is pretty much done. It's uh, on the theme of Chase for 28. It's uh, It's got a really cool front graphic. 
Basically, right now, if uh, if you're not seeing a link, it's I'm just waiting on the Yankees to send me a link for a point of purchase, and that's it. Everything is done. Everything is ready to go. So whatever you have, even if the link is not there, um, just make sure you have September 30th ready to go. Uh, we will be selling these tickets, uh, and they will go fast. I can guarantee that they will go fast. And um, 59 bucks, huge deal. Huge deal. Huge. huge. Speaking of huge, did you watch the fight last night, Mayweather McGregor? I did. I was able to watch it. Thankfully, from some kid who bootleg videotaped it in Miami on Periscope. Appreciate that. Kid. How, so I actually did see that you were tw- that you were tweeting about that. How did that not got? How did that not get taken down? So there were. I was kind of hopping around looking for a link because I went. You know all those bootleg links to like front sports dot whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. And then there's like eighty other ones, and every single one of them is spamware and just ruins your computer. So I gave up on that because I wasn't going to download some random shit. Who are you kidding? You just downloaded porn. Well, I mean, it's not porn though. That's the problem. It's just some nonsense that's not even worth it. So it's not even, you don't even get porn out of it. But you, and you usually don't get the fight because you probably, the link is broken or whatnot. Anyway, I was like, someone's got to be recording this Kramer style on social media somewhere with all this live video. There's no way they can police it all. So I went to Periscope and um, I went to Miami. I went away from Vegas and went to a place where I figured people would be partying. Went to Miami. And I found like three or four feeds. Some of them did get shut down. Like some of them had like 25,000 people on. This one I found. Periscope was like, "Uh, what's going on over here? We might want to check this out. So the ones that actually stayed up were the ones that that were named and had nothing to do with the fight. There were a smaller amount of people. And everybody in there in the comments was was like, don't hit the heart button. Whatever you do, don't hit the heart (laughs) button. Because Periscope's got bots out there looking for popular channels i guess around the fight time and they just kept shutting them down so we had a i had a cool group of like 300 people in this in there everybody was was chill everybody relaxed everybody understood what was going on and we all got to watch the fight and it was a uh, it was perfect it was unbelievable that's pretty interesting that's what they call dark social media yeah and um and it's it's interesting because you figure i think this set the record for pay-per-view buys but then think about the thousands you said one at one of them had close to twenty five thousand people all those untracked viewers of this fight. It's crazy how many people. This was like, this swept the nation last night, this fight. And thankfully, I thought the fight was going to suck. I, I bought it. I went, I had a couple friends. We all went to someone's house. We watched the fight. I was watching it regardless, but I was assuming it was going to suck like the rest of the Mayweather fights. Uh, but it, it was actually pretty damn entertaining. I thought so too. You know, I thought that I was, here's what I was afraid of. I was afraid that it was going to be, um, fake good <laughs> that you it was going to be oh you uh, thought it was going to be fixed I thought it was going to be a very predictable song like you know ballet basically of, of Mayweather like okay I'm going to get punched for three rounds going to get punched for four rounds and that's kind of what happened I mean McGregor came out hot I had a feeling he would and you knew that Mayweather would just kind of take it for a little while and see what he's doing and then let him tire out. The biggest thing for him was fatigue going into this oh, yeah. he knew damn well that he was going to get tired at some point and that Mayweather was I think it was the ninth round where McGregor got hit a couple times, and then you could see him like look up for the clock, thinking like, "Okay, how much time do I have left?" Yeah, Maybe he started 10, grabbing fifteen seconds, and it was like a minute and eight seconds, and he was probably thinking, "Oh shit, he's not used to it." That's why it's it's stupid. And we, remember, we had Wally Matthews on. He's like, "If this thing goes the full distance, it's it's it's, it's rigged. bullshit. It's yeah, fixed right. because it's." McGregor is not a boxer. Mayweather is probably the best boxer pound for pound out there. I don't. I'm not claiming to know anything about boxing, but you could just see they're play. They're on different levels. 
you want to say what would happen in a UFC fight? Yeah, Mayweather gets his freaking head ripped off in 40 seconds. But this was a boxing match. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it was. I, I give McGregor credit because it looked like he he had a, a game plan that was effective enough to get a few rounds deep, and I think did take um, Mayweather by surprise in how effective his jab was. But he looked like the Notre Dame Fighting Irish guy out there with the way he was like standing. I thought it was hilarious. Like I thought his I stance he- was awesome. I love he kept bopping him on the head. Yeah, and yeah, hitting the like, no, you can't. The ref's like, no, you can't do that. You can't hammer. You can't throw hammers out there. Well, I mean, to his credit, Mayweather kept ducking his head and getting underneath. So he what did. was he supposed think, to do? Because he's a troll. Mayweather is a is a professional boxer troll. Yes. He just trolls his opponent, and that's what he was doing to McGregor. But the beautiful thing is, is that McGregor actually got to a point where Mayweather had to fight him and came on the offensive. So it was the most entertaining Mayweather fight because of that. Because it didn't right. go the distance and didn't go into rounds in his decision. Like Mayweather but, actually came out and started fighting, which. I thought was awesome, and I thought I, I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was a it was fun to watch. Whether it was rigged or not, whether they said let's dance for five six rounds and then I'm going to whoop your ass, then maybe that happened. It wouldn't surprise me, but it was still relatively entertaining to the eye. I didn't pay for it. I was sitting in a hospital <laughs> watching it on Periscope, so I was pumped up. It was it was pretty good. So I did pay for it. I didn't pay the full hundred. I split it with a bunch of people, but I paid a few bucks for it and I didn't mind. I was entertained and that's what I was going for. And even Mayweather, I don't know if you listened to his post fight interview. He's like, I felt like I owed the fans something after that shitty. See, That's what what worried me when I heard that. When I heard that, I was like, oh shit, here it comes. He owed the fans, so he did nothing. He did a little song and dance for a little while and then it's like, okay, I'm going to start trying now. And then I think he was... I think he was more talking about he went for it. He he was trying to knock McGregor out. I, I think if it went 12 rounds and it was just a Mayweather decision, that's kind of a loss for Mayweather. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think it would have been it would have been a lot less entertaining for sure if he didn't go on the offensive. But every single boxing match he's in, everybody's looking for that. And after the Pacquiao debacle of them just hugging each other for 12 rounds, everybody got I have never been so pissed. Yeah. I was in Vegas for that, if you remember, and I went to one of those viewing parties. I was in Vegas for a completely separate reason. I was there for work. But me and a buddy from work got those tickets like because you can't view it at bars. They didn't view, they didn't have it on. So you had to buy like a hundred and fifty dollar viewing party ticket at like I think we were at Caesars Palace and I felt so ripped off. Yeah, I, I, look, I thought it was good. I a lot of people don't like McGregor. I think he's so entertaining and I, I oh, think he's so he's cocky. One of the one of the best all time. I'm not I'm going all time shit talkers in any sport. I think he is brilliant in what he says. I think it's calculated, but I think a lot of it's also very natural for him. Uh, and I think he's uh, he's one of the better shit talkers of all time. And you know what? He's like, I tried something different. Nobody else would. You know, it, oh, it's okay. I love and I love that big old brass balls on McGregor. Yeah, he doesn't give a rat's ass. I, and I yeah, like people it. are saying like, oh, he's a bad person. Uh, yeah, he beats people up for a living. Yeah, no shit, he's a bad person. But he's entertaining, and that's what I'm here for. The greatest troll move I've ever seen is that pinstripe suit that he wore. That the pinstripe said, you. "Fuck you." That's amazing. I I don't know how he thought of that. Just the just actually thinking of that is brilliant. And then executing well, own, on it in such a perfect way. It was amazing. He did his own little players weekend for a suit. Yeah. It's yeah, but that actually worked well and wasn't dumb. <laughs> what if some what if an MLB player wanted to have fuck you on on his jersey? Hey, you know what? Maybe they should do that. Maybe they should do that. Maybe that would have made it more entertaining, a little bit more of a rated R version of the players weekend. 
the boxing match is a great segue into the brawl on Thursday afternoon. I don't know if uh, I was at work. I was just expecting expecting a nice getaway day baseball game. Yankees going for the sweep in in um, Detroit, and then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Sanchez gets plunked by Fulmer. It's a hundred percent intentional. I don't care what anybody says. Sanchez was demolishing the baseball that entire series. Fulmer also had some bad blood going back to a July series at Yankee Stadium where uh, Mikey Maddock got hit twice in one game and Fulmer retaliated by hitting Jacoby Ellsbury in that game. He plunked Sanchez right in the hip, so he did it the right way. I mean, if there is a right way to do that, he hit him right in the hip. I have no problem with it. But then all, all hell broke loose. Yeah. The, um, first of all, Fulmer definitely hit Sanchez on purpose. I don't care what he says. It was, uh, and it he was, got fined. There's no doubt that he hit him on purpose. And the, Didn't he get fined? That's, I don't know if he got fined... Where the, I, there were a bunch of fines that were handed out. I mean, I think even Clint Frazier got fined. There were a bunch of fines that were handed out. He didn't get any suspension, but look, that's fine. If you're going to hit him, hit him, whatever. It's part of baseball. I, I, I've never had a problem with people hitting each other in uh, in the game. I don't mind it. I think it's part of the game. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it, to tell you the truth. But at that point, umpires need to re- understand what's happening and, and take... The umpires were the reason why this escalated so far. Yes, they they didn't 100%. they didn't get control of it from the beginning, and then when they actually got control of it, it, they did it the wrong way, and they had a quick hook without doing the warning. If you're gonna have a warn, if you're gonna have a hook, you better throw the other guy out too first. But uh, without a warning, it's uh, the way that they handled it was was terrible. And Tommy Canley, you came over as one of the more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most accurate bullpen say. guys who who didn't walk his his uh, inning to or inning to walk ratio or whatever the hell it was was ridiculous. One of the best in the major leagues, and you come over and you throw behind Cabrera. Cabrera. Come on, man. I mean, how do you miss him? Just hit him in the ass. He's got a huge ass. Hit him in the ass. He's a big fat ogre. How yeah. do you miss him? He's a big giant dude that just he's like Tony Gwynn at the end of his career. He just you know he's gotten comfortable and can hit. He just hit him. He's right there. He's not moving. He's not going to move out of the way. Just hit him in the ass. A, a lot of factors led to this brawl. The first one, like you said, the umpires did not take control. If they had warned Fulmer, they had warned each team after Fulmer hit Sanchez, this doesn't happen because then Canley can't go after Cabrera. And if he does, he gets thrown out and Girardi doesn't come out and go ape shit. Girardi got thrown out of the game because Canley got thrown out of the game when no previous warnings were thrown. Right. Yes, Canely was intentionally throwing at Cabrera, but how do you not already have warnings out at that point in the game? No. That's why no. things broke loose. And then Cabrera's having a bad year. I tweeted that he took his frustrations out on Austin Romine because his team stinks and he's having a bad year. A ton of people were saying, oh, you don't know about his family situation. Apparently, he's had some family troubles back in Venezuela. There's like a kidnapping situation going on. And... Listen, I don't really know all the details about that story, and I'm sure it's terrible. I don't wish that upon anybody. But is that really an ex- like justify his actions of of bullying Austin Romine? And credit to Austin Romine for ducking those punches. He looked like Floyd, Mather- Floyd Mayweather <laughs> defending those punches. Comes and tackles Cabrera. I thought Romine came out awesome in that fight. Yeah, I don't know. what I, I didn't even actually hear about the, the family stuff with Cabrera, but that does happen in Venezuela all the time. The, the kidnapping is freaking ridiculous there. I mean, Yeah, you live in Venezuela, that comes with the territory. It's, it's insane. But um, the, uh, I, see, the other thing about Romine, like Romine, he was just standing there, and as soon as he whipped off his mask 
that's when Cabrera. I'm very interested to see what the actual script was in the dialogue. If we could, uh, if we could go back and actually do some lip reading and actually find out what was said by Romine, you're, it's going to be impossible because his mask was on. But I, I'm sure there was something else more to what what is being said of what actually transcribed between the two of them that set him off. But um, but yeah, he did defend himself. Amazing, amazing. It was like the Matrix out there. Him dodging these. I love the yeah. post game asking about how how um, how if it hurt or if any of those connected. He's like connected. No, no, no. no. They, they didn't. They, they didn't connect. Actually, he he missed every single one of them. And then he goes to the ground game. So also a move that I thought McGregor at some point out of frustration was just going to throw Mayweather down and throw him in an armbar. Right. And then he loses his all of his money though. Yeah, I thought that was going to happen, but. Um, no, like Romines must have had some fighting experience in the back because he dodged those punches like he knew what he was doing. I guarantee he's got a wrestling background. He looks like a wrestler. I, I, a yeah. lot of catchers, I, ha- I have a feeling, have wrestling backgrounds. But you were saying, like, what was the script between the two? Yeah. It was probably just F you, F you. And then Romine, credit to Romine, takes his mask off. I tweeted out, you remember how Jason Veritek left his mask on Hockey mask when he too. fought A Rod? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he left his mask on so he couldn't get hit in the face, A Rod was defenseless in that situation how do you how do you fight a catcher if he's got full gear on including a mask it's impossible credit to romine he got up uh, miguel cabrera has like four inches and 50 pounds on austin romine romine gets up in his face miguel uh miguel cabrera took exception to that pushed him whiffed on a few punches and got tackled to the ground i thought up until that point in the fight good for the yankees good for austin romine you stood up for yourself up until, the, up until that point, okay. Then, up until that point. Then, then I have a problem when Gary Sanchez comes trotting off the bench because he's DHing and starts sucker punching Miguel Cabrera. That is a bad look for for uh, Gary Sanchez. So there were so many things that were thrown around with with Gary Sanchez. Pedro talking about that it's going to follow him and all this nonsense. Well, that's also bullshit yeah, because – And Michael Kay actually, actually I think had a great rant on that. I don't know if you had a chance to listen – but Pedro Martinez wasn't known for throwing Don Zimmer to the ground, a 70-year-old man. So how is this going to follow around Sanchez? At least he was picking on somebody his own age. There were a couple things that I, I think uh, about Pedro's comments, and I heard what Michael Kay said as well. And I feel like some of it was, I don't know, it wasn't even argued the right way. I think that when Pedro was talking about that, he, he was talking also to the fact that it's going to follow him around when he goes to other places where people are going to hit him. People are going to throw at him. I think that's kind of what he meant also, is that they're going to throw at him because they saw what he did to a guy sucker punching, and the league is going to take care of it in that sense. I don't know if it was as much as like his, his public persona, it's going to follow his reputation to the fans and things like that. Because... I, I guarantee you, on, on footnotes, if you're talking to Yankee fans, you talk about Pedro Martinez, Don Zimmer comes up 100%. It comes up at, at some point when you start talking about Pedro. It's in the list of many things that's talked about, but it's there. The, the, um, the Gary Sanchez, like that, that's a footnote. You're never going to talk about that again because it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't anywhere close to throwing an old man down on, on, his, on his head uh, like a bowling ball. I mean, that was unbelievable. So I have a feeling a lot of that was talking about what the league is going to do as well. And, gotcha. and I could see that maybe, like he being more of a, a, a marked guy because of that. But honestly, I think there's way too much made of it at the time because emotions are flowing. And then everybody really just doesn't give a shit about that afterwards. And they forget. He also was the one who initially got hit. So he's pissed off. Yeah, I understand. Rightfully so pissed off. I just don't think he handled it. I, I don't like, I think sucker punching, there's... That's a bitch move. There were some haymakers thrown. There were some like some some severe uppercuts thrown under on the bottom of that pile from him. 
And good for good for like I know uh, Tyler Wade and um, Clint Frazier came in and started to pull guys off. You mentioned Frazier got fined. The reason he got fined is because if you're on the DL, you can't come on the field. Okay, yeah. See, that's one of those dumb basketball rules where if you come off the bench, you get fined or suspended automatically. That's and then, that's a really dumb rule. Probably the funniest part of the entire brawl is D Rob yeah. sprinting, pulling ass. Running a four five forty out of the bullpen, dude's got wheels. If the Yankees need a pinch runner, send in D Rob. Yeah, well, I, the other, <laughs> so if you look at who he's running with as well, I think it made him look a lot faster because <laughs> because he's running with some some really out of shape dudes and some bullpen catchers. So the fact that he started separating right about the middle of the outfield and just like started he putting like it on Randy Moss running up the sidelines. Yeah, he did. was he was a gazelle. It was uh, who is the guy, the ball boy for Florida State? Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember seeing this. It was like I, I actually remember. think his nickname was Red Thunder. It was a re- it was a red haired dude <laughs> just running down the sidelines. Yes, with the ball. I do remember. Yes, yeah. that guy was electric. Yeah, and I think he was actually Red Thunder, which. Also now is calling into question the, the nickname, but um, yeah, it was a, no, it was a it was an amazing video watching D Rob do that. And he gets right into the middle of it. Gotta love that. Gotta love a lot of these guys. I, I feel like um, my opinions changed on some people. Not that they were yep. bad. That I just didn't know. I didn't know D Rob had that in him. That was good. Yep. I liked it. It was uh, it was uh, showed me that he's still a team guy. Shows me that he never wanted to leave the Yankees and he's always wanted to be a, a Yankee for his entire career. Oh, totally. And I also love Gardner. You knew Gardner was a hothead. Oh, yeah. You knew Gardner popped veins in that second yeah. uh, brawl. I loved how everyone came out like in the second brawl a little bit slower. Like, oh, crap. Here we go again. Gardner comes out on fire yelling at people. And then Sabathia, who I know you always tweet that video of yes. Sabathia with that brawl in Toronto, smiling from ear to <laughs> ear. CeCe looks like he likes a good fight. Dude, he loves it. There was a, I think I saw – I think JJ tweeted it out, a, a video or a gif of him when – Gardner was going nuts and veins were popping and CC Sabathia just looks back and is just laughing his ass off. It's great. I mean, he's just, he's laughing at the fact that Gardner's getting all fired up and like, and he also gets that, let's go that evil, evil little laugh. Like, let's do it. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And he your funeral. It. Yeah, no. So it's a, I, I love that's a, it's a great look. I think that this, this type of fight, this type of situation, and I know a lot of people will, say that it's a bad thing for the New York Yankees because of the suspensions, because of the way that people are going to lose games. I love it. I love that it fires them up. I've, I've been some the one calling for, you know, throwing inside, showing a little bit of freaking emotion, showing a little bit of balls behind their baseball. And that's exactly what happened. I love that Romine didn't back down. He went back after it. I love that the guys had his back. And it was a meaningless team. It's not like we give a shit about the Detroit Tigers. It was just the emotion of the of the game and the fact that these guys are in this together. They have their back. There's a gel there. And this only helps that. I totally agree with you. Yeah, that, that thing that's annoying is the fact that the Tigers had nothing to lose and the Yankees have a lot to lose because they're going to lose Sanchez for, for four games. I don't think his suspension is getting reduced at all. I don't think it should get reduced. You throw sucker punches, you deserve what you get. Romine might get his two-game suspension taken down to a game. Um, but they came back in that game. They tied it 6-6. Six to six. The point that screwed them is Batances hitting McCann in the head. I don't think it was on purpose. But, of course, he's going to get run from the game after that. Of course, benches are going to freak out after that happens. You hit somebody in the head with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball after a brawl. Of course, shit is going to hit the fan. I don't know what... Batanza has been wild all season. He's been especially wild to right-handed batters. He was probably amped up. 
uh, it was a one, it was an 0-1 count in a tie game leading off the seventh inning. No part of me thinks that was on purpose, but it screwed the game for the Yankees. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think it was on purpose either. You can tell a lot of about a situation when you see the instant, like the immediate reaction from the player who throws the ball, and and knowing Batantis, his fastball gets away with it, gets away from him sometimes, and it does tail towards the right-handed batter. Um, so I, I don't, I didn't think it was intentional, and especially going after him that high. I mean, Batantis knows he knows better than that. He's not that type of guy. He, he he's would, not he's not a scumbag. He would, yeah, Batantis exactly. He wouldn't go after a head. He wouldn't go after. I mean, that's just that's that's a move that nobody in baseball is. Uh, you know, would, would get behind, and it's a move that a lot of most people in baseball would never do intentionally. So I, I 100% don't believe it was intentional. But yeah, he's got to get tossed for that. Given the situation of the game, it's going to happen. You know what I was a little upset about thinking back is that Matt Halliday was not on the roster. I know we needed. It. I, I don't know how much of a how much of a good thing it would have been though, because he's still not there. You know, strength not there. I don't know if the fighting intuition is there Listen. because of the disease. Listen, now you know this because you're a dad now. Dad strength takes over in that situation. That's true. That is true. I mean, he may have just just instinct comes out and he starts moving. He would definitely move the pile. There's, I don't think he would be an aggressor, but he'd be moving. He'd be moving. He bodies. would play in for, He would be the enforcer. You would see people flying off of that pile, just like see. Yeah, that's thrown what into I was expecting. I was expecting Judge to do that, just take guys by their neck and just throw them out. Like, don't fight, don't fight, we don't want suspensions. Judge was really nowhere to be seen in the entire brawl. Well, he was in there. He was. He had guys hanging on his back for quite some time. He, <laughs> He's he, like Refrigerator Perry running No, down. that's exactly what it was. If you look back at what he did, he was, he was in there, and there were, there were people all over him. I think Verlander was really trying to get a piece of Judge. He was trying to get in there and get something Judge. Well, I don't know that's why. That's ballsy by Verlander. That's that Old Dominion dumbass mentality. Like That's the stupid ODU mentality. That we went to the same college, so I know where he was educated. Not smart. Not smart from Verlander. It would have been a bad move. <laughs> that's an indictment on you, too, though. No, I was like, you know, I was an exception to the rule, obviously. You were on the five-year tour. Yes, of course. I, I was smart. Uh, the, the whole brawl, the, the game was lost again when Batances hit him. The momentum shifted. They had to bring in Robertson. He probably didn't warm up enough. The game got away from the Yankees. Uh, everything distracted, though, from the fact that Jamie Garcia, Jaime Garcia, has now had three crummy starts for the Yankees, 6.32 ERA and three starts with the Yanks. Yeah, there's no difference between Jaime Garcia and Caleb Smith and Brian Mitchell and insert triple a name here there's just there's just no difference i mean the fact that we we were hoping it was going to be a depth thing a depth move for the pitching staff well that's what it was it was a depth move but to to get a guy that's going to um hopefully you wanted him to at least get deeper into games he's not even doing that so i i don't know i don't know when this ends but at some point it's going to end. It's not going to be a, a big deal. And I think um, if anybody starts pitching well in AAA, I could see them taking his spot at, at a given point. All right, guys, we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts could be complicated, but there is a much better and more simple solution to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and that's fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek is going to get you there, get you closer, and for a great value. I do have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is how I buy a lot of my tickets. It's the easiest way to do it. 
if I could be anywhere and I could be anywhere on their app in just a few taps, it's super simple and can find tickets pretty easily. I actually used SeatGeek uh, tickets, the, the app itself, to actually buy my last Yankee Stadium tickets when I went to the game. It was easy. I was able to get bleacher seats right where I wanted to and able to do that through the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and finding amazing deals. You can get the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek actually grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Best of all, listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show can get $20 off of their SeatGeek purchase. $20 off. That's huge, huge value right there. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code Bronx today. That's promo code Bronx, and you get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So the Yankees go home. They're facing the Mariners. They ended up taking two out of three, which is great because the Mariners were in the wild card hunt. But you'd think that brawl would ignite something in the Yankees, and they came out totally flat on Friday. Uh, it was a 2-1 to one extra innings loss. Then the Yankees now have the most extra inning losses in the American League at 22. They got a great start from CeCe. The offense just totally let them down. Yeah, the offense was nowhere to be to be seen. And I know a lot of people immediately react, oh, well, the the, the, the fight did nothing. Did, didn't gel anybody together. You can't go off just one game in the, on the next game after that thing happens. I mean, there's going to be – sometimes I think that, you know, you can have a letdown before you see a surge. The bottom line is I think a lot of people were, were gelled in that, in that clubhouse after that fight. So I'm not coming off of um, what happened on Friday night. CC came in through a terrific game, and the offense just couldn't get a damn thing going. I mean, it was, they, they reverted back to the offense before the Detroit series. Yeah, Yankees offense 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. They left 13 guys on base. They loaded the bases three separate times, two of them with less than two outs, and they got zero runs out of the whole thing. Todd Frazier went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. He looks really lame right now. Hicks, Sanchez, and Judge combined to go 2 for t- two for 15 in the game. It was a mess. It was a mess of an offensive game. Um, they did get Castro back from the DL. That's a positive. And then another positive is Sabathia pitched great, as we already said. Uh, but... Negatives, Chapman gave up the home run to another lefty that makes two now in the last couple weeks. He gave up one home run since 2011 to a left-handed batter, and now he's given up two in two weeks. And of course, it's to Yonder Alonso, one of the guys rumored to uh, come to the Yankees to help that first baseman spot at some point. And look, I knew that shit was coming, man. I When he came out, I literally I went to find a good picture of the back of his jersey that says the missile. Because I just had a feeling that it was going to, uh, he was going to give up a home run at some point during the inning. I don't know why I'd call it. It's a it's a bad gut. I think I can predict when bad things happen sometimes, and I don't. You know what I think not, it is? I think my negative. I think my negativity is rubbing off on you a little. No, bit. it's I, I. But mine. I'm. I'm. I. I feel. I see it coming like immediate stuff. It's weird. Like it's not a gift. It's a bad thing. Like I see bad things happen before they do, and it's usually in bad baseball situations. So. I've been sitting on the Bronx Missile Crisis for a while. I got my tweet out finally. He gave me the opportunity. So I appreciate that. At least he gave me the opportunity to, uh, to give the New York headline uh, papers uh, a couple headlines um, based off of our, our, our Twitter account. But it was a bad look. He looked demoralized. <laughs> he looked demoralized afterwards. I don't know how this right. guy has any goddamn confidence. The only thing that's going to get his confidence back is if he goes and just looks at his bank account every day. Every, every hour, set an alarm to look at your bank account and realize that that's what got you there. 
you are this guy. You are the guy that was uh, a dominant closer for years, and that's what got those zeros in that bank account. So act like your freaking bank account looks like and stop acting like a little bitch. Well, the missile still applies. He used to throw them. Now he just gives them up. He throws them. They just come back both ways. They're just, it's, you know, he's getting fired back upon. And that he just, he was not before. He looked, like you said, he looked uh, demoralized uh, after he gave up the home run, put his head down, was like, well, what, what can I do? That was the reaction. He was sulking in the dugout. He's confused right now. He doesn't know why he's sucking. And that's the most scary thing. Well, and you know, the problem, one of the things too, is when you listen to the postgame interviews with him. And I know you're going through that. First of all, that guy, the translator has, he's got a tough job, man. He's got to ask these questions that are, are very pointed questions to these guys. And you know, he doesn't want to do it. I mean, it's his job. I get it. But I love how he, when he, when he responds back, he, he even uses like the emotion and the inflection like the guy uses when telling him in Spanish. I think that's a pro job right there. But the, um, when you listen to the actual words that were coming out of Chapman's mouth, people were asking, like, do you know what's going on? Have you identified anything? Are you working on anything? No. <laughs> Simple. No. Haven't identified <laughs> no, it. Not working on it. Just got to keep going. Just got to keep yeah. present. Well, you know what? Keep, How about we look grinding. a little bit deeper? How about we t- look at some videotape? How about we try to identify the problem? You're talking about arm slot differences that the ringer was pointing out last week. Well, how about you go read that article and then go look at your arm and maybe have a meeting with Larry Rothschild and try to figure this shit out because it's getting freaking old and it's costing us games and you're not in the ninth inning where you're supposed to be. You're not doing your job. It's terrible. It was. It was. And that's... Um... That's the scary thing is that he, like you said, he does not know why he's struggling. And, and the Yankees don't seem to know why he's struggling. He's the radar gun is showing 99, 100, 102, but he's giving up hard hits. He's, he's not getting swings and misses. Why? What is going on? Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of it does come down to location of the fastball. People are sitting on that fastball and just kind of waiting for it. And when it comes over the plate, they're ready for it and they can hit it. So. This game was a microcosm for a lot of the Yankees' struggles over the last couple months. Bad offense with runners in scoring position. And then Batances, who escaped a jam. He was wild. He escaped a jam. And then Chapman, who gave up a home run. And then weird managerial decisions. Eighth inning. Didi's on second base with one out. It was a ground ball to shortstop. Didi makes a terrible base running decision. The only thing I am still uh, don't like about Didi's game is he still makes bonehead base running decisions. Yes. He goes to third base for no damn reason. How about you just stay in scoring position? The play is right in front of you. He does make a creative slide, though, and he's actually safe. Yeah. Or at least it looked like it could be uh, reverse in a challenge. But the Yankees don't don't challenge it. What do you have to lose in that situation? Worst case scenario, you lose one challenge, but you still have one more, and there's only one more inning in the game. I know it went to extra innings, but you didn't know that at the time. There could have been a guy on third base with one out. Girardi didn't challenge it. And I know it's not really up to Girardi because he's talking to somebody up in the booth who's looking at it on replay. But that guy needs his eyes checked because I would have definitely challenged that play. 
they need either a different protocol, a different way of doing things. Because if you're late in a game, you have challenges. First of all, I mean, it seems to me when we're playing other people that they have infinite challenges. People can argue, and then all of a sudden the umpires are looking at something. If the umpires decide to look at something, they can look at it. So if you convince the umpire to look at something, it's such a, it's such a gray area with the amount of challenges that are set. It's not like you have the flag and you can't use it. There, there's, it's constantly happening where the managers are talking the umpires into looking at another play. It always happens. I've seen it happen many times this year throw freaking challenge it who gives a shit challenge it throw the challenge throw flag, flag. Yeah, there's no challenge if flag. it's close throw it you're late in a game it's a huge crucial situation Didi's telling you that he was able to get around it if it's that close go for it you don't know what what can occur but it's it's late in a game and you have two of these left even if you didn't have two left challenge it who gives a shit challenge it right that could have that could have made the, that could have decided the game for the Yankees. And Joe looks he's throwing his hands up like, you know, oh, like, like you know, he's just pouting over there like, oh, but P- the guy didn't tell me whether to do it or not. Just do it yeah. then. No, but he doesn't how can he do that? All he's going by because is what he's the reaction. He's also but looking every at his player. guy telling him that he's safe. He's like, I went around it. I did it. I did this. It's just but it's the same way. Every baseball player, just like every football player, says, yeah, I caught that ball. Or, yes, I, I, I got in safe. When they really might not have. It, so you have to go based on the guy in the booth or the guy in your clubhouse. What he says, that guy didn't tell him to challenge it. And that was a bad move on that guy. Okay, that guy. We have no freaking idea who that guy is. That guy has yeah. zero accountability. That guy is not a face anywhere. He's a myth- mythological creature. He might as well be the mother of freaking dragons. I have no idea who this guy is. But you know who I do know is? Joe Girardi is there to make that decision. Late in a game, crucial situation, potentially, if that guy can't see something, if there's still hesitation, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, make the move, make the call. Err on the side of let's see what this is instead of not doing it. You had nothing to lose at that point. <clears throat> frustrating loss and, and frustrating for a number of reasons, as I already said. But the one run, uh, the the one run game situation, their record in one run games is really concerning, especially as we approach the playoffs. That's a problem. They tense up in situations. They don't get the sack fly, or they don't move the runners, or they don't get the big hit with two outs. This team struggles in one run games, and you're gonna play a lot of one run games come come late September, or, and if you make it to October, there's there's big problems. Unless your name is Didi Gregorius or toe and you're up at the bat those are the two guys that that and and brett gardner I, I, i'm probably not giving credit to somebody but there are a few guys that have been very clutch this year dd's been clutch pretty much ever since he's been a yankee toe seems to get a big hit every night um so that's a problem but the other problem is that you have this bullpen that is stacked full of closers and none of them not many of them can close a game and or one, they've all gone through uh, times this season where they've had problems with one run games. That's an issue. That's a big, big freaking issue. And they need to solve that. This needs to work itself out because they've lost way too many one run games, especially in that stretch that we won't ever talk about again. They lost way too many one run games and it was the bullpen the back of the bullpen doing it. The infamous stretch. Well, thankfully the, the real Seattle Mariners showed up for Saturday and Sunday. Yankees, Three-run victory on Saturday and a huge nine-run victory on Sunday. So the bullpen didn't really play a huge factor. The one-run game didn't really matter. But I was looking at all the errors the Mariners made. How the hell are they in the contention for the playoffs? Yeah, and if you look at their pitching staff too, I think every single person, I think all five guys who started the season on their uh, rotation are injured. Yeah, it's bad. And their best starter, James Paxson, is injured right now. And Felix Hernandez, who's been their best pitcher for a decade, shell of is not Felix Hernandez anymore. Yeah, I don't know how they're. I really don't understand how they're still in the mix of this. But I, I they've got they've got Cruz and Cano, and those are their big hitters. Cruz, I think, already has a hundred RBIs. 
yeah, Cruz is, Cruz is probably going to become go go down in history as one of the the greatest values for power hitting in, over the past in this in this decade. This dude was, I think it was like a sixteen million dollar one year sixteen million dollar contract. It was somewhere around there that this. Well, no, he signed with him. Baltimore. No, he got he signed with Baltimore for one year. So he had this. That's the what it was. It was the, it was, he had the this, it was the Baltimore one. Yes, he signed. He had steroid uh, suspension in Texas, yep. so no one wanted him. Right. Baltimore took a flyer on him. He hit 40 bombs, and then he signed a longer-term extension with Seattle. But it's paid off for Seattle. Oh yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a crazy contract either. I mean, he's he's definitely a big value. Um, but that's their offense is obviously carrying the show. Um, ben Gamble looked pretty uh, pretty much exposed a little bit in left field. Not the greatest defensive left fielder. Joe Espada trying to run on his arm a couple times. There's uh, there's things there. So maybe maybe he didn't hurt us as badly as I was, was expecting him to hurt us in a crucial situation. Yeah, and also last time the Yankees played the Mariners um, back in July, I think it was, he was hitting like 330, and now he's down to 280. It's very similar to, to Aaron Judge, obviously, without the power. Yeah, that's not, that's not, not a good look. But Saturday, uh, Sonny Gray, probably his best start in a Yankee uniform. His slider was filthy. He has the lowest ERA in baseball since June 25th at 1.95. That's 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 awesome. I mean, that's that's great to hear. So that is what we want. Yeah, that is exactly what we want. So we have two pitchers now since the end of June who have done very well. Him and Tanaka. It's great news. The <laughs> the the, the beautiful. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk about Tanaka soon. Also doing well. Um, Sonny Gray. I I made this comparison. It's not really a direct comparison, but just kind of style wise. Uh, on Twitter, I think last week I was talking about one of my favorite guys to watch all time is Orlando Hernandez El Duque. I think he's one of the just the most entertaining pitchers to watch because he would throw everything and you know and the and he'd make up pitches everything on the go. in an arsenal would would th- he would throw it at guys. Um, his his infamous pitch that was like fifty to sixty miles per hour like that thing made people look stupid. While Sonny Gray doesn't throw that Ephus pitch. Rod. Doesn't throw the Ephus pitch. Uh, Sonny Gray does have that type of arsenal where he can mix it up quite a bit. Throws mid-90s, low-90s. Um, but it's fun to watch. He's just a fun watch. I wish he picked up his pace a little bit and he'd be more fun to watch. But he definitely does um, keep the, ba- the, the batter off balance. I think he does that with his timing as well. I mean, you can see he's got a slower delivery. Even when he's in his motion, the mechanics are slower. And then he kind of pops off of his hand. Um, but he does take a lot of time in between pitches as well. But he's fun to watch. Pickles. You mean pickles? Pickles, yeah. I, what was uh, the, the one that I had seen that I was making fun of was oxymoron. That's what they had. I read an article yes. that they called them that. Yeah, because Sonny and Gray. Yeah, yeah. Right. And Chief had a big game on Saturday, too, oh, with the. Stop with it. the... <laughs> stop it. Chief, Chief had a great game. All Starlin came back. Uh, Bird, no, no nickname there, but he came back from the DL. Um, All Rise didn't have a good game. Head made an error. I've I've uh, been looking for D dog D dog got the save. I've been looking for a middle school like sexual horrible innuendo head tweet for all weekend. And I just haven't <laughs> landed on it yet. Imagine if um, imagine if you had like a like a son or a daughter and they're twelve years old and for whatever God knows stupid reason Chase Headley is their favorite player and then they're watching the game this weekend and they're like Daddy Daddy I buy me a head jersey. Yes. What do you say to that? <laughs> it's bad. I don't know. I don't it's know bad. how he. It's real bad. I don't know how he actually agreed to that. It's it's not good. There's just way too many op- opportunities for, for bad things to be said. And you know, I had a couple of them that were that were just terrible, <laughs> and I couldn't pull the trigger on them. But you're a father now. You can't be saying shit like that. I know, but I I am, I, I have a, the mind of a 15 year old. <laughs> Still has not said it. Um, uh, what did you think of Bird's return from the DL though? 
it, you know, it's good to see. I think I think it was crucial for him to get off to a good start. I don't think he had to come out out of the gate like super hot and start hitting home runs. But I think he had to throw up some uh, a couple of games where he got a hit and got on base and wasn't throwing up overs and looking overmatched because that was the guy that we saw when he came back. He, he looked overmatched. He didn't look like the same player. Um, he so I think it was important for him not only for his, his psyche but for the fans just looking at what this guy's coming back again um, and having some confidence in that he does look like he belongs out there and, and I, I think that's what we saw I think he had some very good at bats he got some hits um, he was running the bases not fat not fast but slowly but that's I think what he is kind of a lumbering first baseman um, but yeah I think he I think it was a very good weekend for him he was on base four times he didn't start on Sunday he pinch hit got a two RBI single. Say it with me, Scott. M. V. No, no, no. Don't I, say the last I, I can't one. Do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't jinx him. I can't jinx him. Uh, Massa was great on Sunday after the rough first inning. He ended up striking out 10 Mariners. I think the Mariners, I think I saw the Yes Network tweet that the Mariners is actually his best team to go up against. He has the best uh, K to walk ratio and I think maybe even his best ERA too against the Seattle Mariners. Do you think that has something to do with the amount of Japanese media in Seattle and covering those games? Because I think Seattle is, the Mariners are definitely like the team, uh, Japan's team if they have a team, right? It's it's because of Ichiro. I was talking with a few people on Twitter last week, and the perfect situation for Tanaka to pitch is a night game against a Japanese rival uh, on six days on six days rest. That is a recipe for success for Tanaka. You know, whatever he's got to do, I, he didn't have everything that he needed to, as far as the the um, core the the concoction for a great Masahiro Tanaka start today. But he pitched well. It was good. He was at home. It was a it was a day game. Hello, can we talk about that? It was a day game, pitched well at a day game, very well in a day game. I'm, I'm really getting behind the fact that Tanaka is, is sorting the shit out. Whatever it was, hashtag not an injury, whatever it was, he's figuring it out. It was a, an important game for the Yankees. He had a lot of run support. The Mariners gift-wrapped the game for them with the four errors in the first inning. But he he pitched really well. It was a game they needed to win. It was a getaway. It was a, excuse me, a rubber match. And they won the series against a team chasing them. And it also put them two and a half back of Boston because Boston got swept by the Orioles. Two and a half back. This is huge for the Yankees right now because last week, even on Thursday, we were talking about how the Yankees are probably going to need to sweep the four-game series Labor Day weekend if they want to win the division. Well, guess what? After Baltimore swept the Red Sox and the Yankees took two out of three, they don't need to sweep Boston anymore. They can just win the series and be in a great position to win the division. No, it's true. And I said this the last time, too. I don't even think it needs to happen. I think they could walk out with a, um, with a, with a split or just not lose the series and be fine because there's just so much stuff that's going to happen from now until the end of the year. And I think the Red Sox are, are very due to hit a bad streak. And I think we're seeing maybe the beginning of that with some bad luck too. Jackie Bradley Jr. Going down, getting swept at home to Baltimore. I saw a lot of pissed off people. I don't know how I time it. I don't try to do it, but every time I've walked back from the hospital to my, to my apartment in Fenway, I swear to God, every like every single time the, the Red Sox are at home, I've timed it with the end of the game and I'm walking against the traffic every single time I did it again last night. Not Maybe. a lot of happy, not a lot of happy Red Sox fans. I'm literally watching the Yankees game on my phone as I'm walking through the sea of Red Sox fans. Maybe take a different road. No, I, it's it's fun for me. I enjoy it. it <laughs> Only I, if the Yankees win and the Red Sox I, lose. But it was the game was happening. I marvel in seeing. I'm looking for something. I want a reaction. What you need, I'm fishing for what, reactions and I'm not getting them. 
you should put uh, on loud uh, John, like the radio broadcast of Sterling on your phone, and just walk walk down the street. I with did. That. I was literally. That's exactly what happened. I, it wasn't Sterling. It was Michael K. I don't think they know Sterling as much, but they hear a Yankee game being called. It was on my phone, literally loud. I didn't have headphones on. I was. It was on. <laughs> it was like a boombox walking through them. Nothing. Uh, it was an important weekend because they put some distance in the wild card too. They're three and a half up on Minnesota, and then Minnesota has a bunch of teams right behind them: the Angels, Kansas City, Seattle, Baltimore, Texas, and Tampa, all within three games. We broke down on the last episode. Scott and I did a Facebook Live episode on Thursday, uh, excuse me, Wednesday. It it came out on Thursday. We kind of broke down the wild card situation. So if you guys missed that, definitely go back and listen. But this was an important weekend for the Yankees, and even though they only won two out of three, it, it really, I think, went a long way. You know, they got to set the tone coming into September. September is such a big month with the uh, with the, the races as tight as they are, and the division is square in their sights. They can get this division. We've talked about in the past, Boston is not that unbelievable team. They're not playing like the Dodgers right now. They're playing like a team that's definitely wounded and a team that can be beat that's not like this this juggernaut they're not the golden state warriors that we thought they were they're just not that way right now um they're a team that can be beat so yeah i think getting some momentum getting feeling good uh, that fight i think gelled the guys together i think they're going to build off of that we got a lot of bodies starling castro is back he's hitting the ball bird is back hitting the ball holiday maybe at some point probably when rosters expand you'll see him you'll see probably clint frazier at that point there's going to be a lot of things happening girardi is going to be more involved in the game because he's going to be putting making a lot more decisions on who's actually playing on a given day so we'll probably complain about him a lot more but there'll be a lot more bodies to help so i think it's very important now to start playing some good baseball and set that tone Before we get into mailbag, guys, I want to take a second to remind you to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. It really is important for this show to keep growing. Uh, We definitely appreciate all the great reviews you guys give. Uh, I know it makes Scott feel really good, and so you can take that home to the bank. Also, coming up, we do have voicemails. I know a lot of people uh, called in after the brawl, so I'm looking forward to hearing those. You can follow us on Twitter at Yankees Podcast, at Andrew underscore Rotondi, and at Scott Reinen. Submit mailbag questions at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. The first mailbag question is from Aaron Bender, and he says, What do you guys think about the whole players weekend? I was skeptical at first, but I really liked how the players found ways to express themselves and how the commentary was shifted for a bit towards stuff like that. Seemed to me like a marketing and branding move for the for MLB that could pay off big. All right, so... I, I still think it's dumb. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the nicknames on the back is 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 just it's just amateur. I don't know. I I don't. You know, what other sport do you see nicknames like this besides the failed leagues like the XFL and just dumb thing? You don't you don't see it. It's not a professional league. It's a it's a minor league move. It's not a pro league move. You know what? When they do those days where they have like the charities and they're able to do their their um, the shoes, they did that earlier in the year, and they do things like that, wristbands and things like that. That's fine. I think that's very cool, and you can still shift the narrative. You can start talking about that. I agree with Aaron that I think it was cool that they were able to show some personality and stuff like that. But why do you have to go and and make it look like it's a you know a, a single A team in freaking? Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's because that's what it felt like when you're looking at it. It looked like spring training. It looked, it just didn't look like a professional baseball team, especially with the Yankees being at home. Now, call me old fashioned. Call me a, a, a guy that just 
wants to see the the purism the purest of the of the Yankees pinstripes. Yes. That's exactly what I am. I want to see the pinstripes when I'm at home. It's only one weekend. Calm down. Stupid. It's just dumb. I'm not. I'm not fired up about it because I don't think it's that important. But at you the same time, fired up. But no, nah, it's just. It's just dumb. I, I think they can achieve it without going so cheesy. I think it was just too cheesy. There was one point on Friday night. Uh, obviously, Friday night they were wearing the players' uh, weekend uniforms. It was Star Wars night, so they had Star Wars promos and people in the stands dressed up like Princess Leia and Chewbacca. And it was like the eighth inning of a tie game, and the freaking wave was going around Yankee Stadium. That was amateur hour. But that's the thing. Like, are we trying to? Like, everybody's saying it's for the kids. It's for the kids. Okay, we're we're trying to to bring on baseball fans for what? To to buy the name head on the back of the jersey? To buy a Aaron on the back of the jersey? We agreed head's not the best nickname, it's but there's some other ones that were. But okay. I mean, like, let's. How about we we try to do it other in other ways? Like, I don't know, promoting more initiatives for youth baseball and getting these guys like really involved with the game of baseball, rather than trying to do some bullshit cosmetic thing that's not going to last. You think someone seeing these jerseys is going to really actually make them latch on to the team and then be a baseball fan for the rest of their life? They're still going to think it's three hours long and boring. Sorry, that's not going to last. You need to do things that are a little bit more deep. It's like building a football team. You got to build the offensive line. You got to build the defensive line to actually have a decent team. You can't just go out there and buy wide receivers and expect to win games. Not going to happen. That's not true. When I, when I drafted in Madden, when I drafted my team, I always picked quarterback and wide receivers first. <sighs> I don't even know what to say to you. The last bit, last bit about the players weekend. I just didn't think the jerseys looked that cool. They could have done a better job. They could have made them look better. They look like spring training uniforms. And why do we have to wear gray it's hats? Enough. It's stupid. It looks dumb. It lo- it was like a road uniform at home. That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. I, I just don't understand it. If you're going to be the Yankees but, and wear that jersey, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I just, it, it's such a, it's such a thing with the pinstripes. Like, and you're, I know they're not going to put the name on the back of the pinstripes, but why is that too far? Then, then this isn't too far. The flip side is, though, that there's 162 games a year. So who cares? Three we- three games a, a year. They we have all rise on the back of our. Yeah, jerseys. I agree. I know it's stub. It's dumb in the in the in the sense that it's a very short amount. I just think it could be done better, because I, I think that they could still do things like they'll this. They'll improve. They're going to improve on it next year. Yeah, you're right. They're going to change the the way that the jersey looks, or they'll have alternate jerseys with the same stupid names on the back, or they'll they'll put something on the front of it, or they'll put it on their hat. It's going to be more dumb. If this, if whoever's making these rules is still in power or still has a job after this, it's going to get more dumb. <laughs> the next two mailbag questions are about Aaron Judge, so let's read those back-to-back. The first one is from Graham, and he says, It's not a hot take to say that Judge is costing the Yankees since his production has pretty much been non-existent since the All-Star break, with a few exceptions. Watching the game against the Mariners, Paul O'Neill and John Flaherty were saying that he was dropping his back shoulder and you guys have already pointed out that his stance has changed. Those both seem to be indicators that he's fatigued, and I think that his problems at the plate can be mostly attributed to fatigue since he didn't really have an all-star break. What uh, would you say to shelving Judge for 10 days to the DL to give him a chance to rest up? I think that at uh, this point, it's necessary for Jordy to at least bump him down in the order. I mean, he kind of has done that already. Uh, but I think an extended period of time off will do him wonders, or will it hurt the team to do too much? And the next one is Rudy G, and he says, is Judge the anti-clutch? I love the big lug, but I can't stand to see him at the plate with runners in scoring position. I think Didi and Toe are the best clutch hitters in this lineup, and I think Brocious and O'Neal were the best clutch hitters during the core four days. What do you guys think? So let's take the first one first about Judge and what is wrong with him. 
We've talked about it a bunch already with the stance thing, with the fatigue thing, but I think there might actually be some injuries thing, uh, injury conspiracies going on with Judge. Yeah, that video that was uh, tweeted around of Torres after he got a big hit, that everybody's on their knee and Torres is running, running down, giving high fives. One, first of all, I freaking love it. I mean, the stuff like that. I love dumb things in baseball on done in the clubhouse. Not dumb things on the jerseys. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You beat I'm me gonna, to it. You beat me not to it. I was about to eviscerate you. It's like, damn it, what just came out of my mouth? Not dumb things with marketing. Things in the clubhouse. Guys acting uh, childish in the clubhouse. I like that because I think that is uh, keeps them loose and keeps them going. So the fact that they're on their knee and him running down, I, I love that. I love that they mess with him because of his size. I think it's hilarious. I think it's great. I think it's exactly what everybody would do if it was like a high school team or a college team or a rec ball league in the summer. It's exactly the type of shit that happens because it's baseball and baseball is fun. So and he that hits. being said, <laughs> and he hits, and he hits. That being said, Judge's shoulder was massively wrapped on yeah. that left video. shoulder. Left shoulder. His left shoulder, which is his lead shoulder. Um, I saw it as more of a maintenance thing. He wasn't like in a training room getting treatment on it. Maybe he had already done. I guarantee a lot of these guys are walking around with those types of wraps after games because they're just treatments. You know, but but it, there's a reason it's being treated, right? It's maybe it is sore, maybe something is going on. So Rich has actually pointed out rich kaufman um who's been on the podcast before has pointed out on twitter during games he's seen it wrapped you can see it through the jersey like a bulkiness oh wow i didn't i didn't catch that the um yeah no so that's something to look at for sure if they're not talking about it it's not like the in baseball you have to report your injuries it's not like football where you have to do that so there could be something going on um underneath the the whole the the back shoulder dropping i mean that is just a that's a mechanic. The back shoulder. The back shoulder is the right shoulder, and this we're talking about the left. Yeah, but there's compensation things with the body. He's a big dude. I mean, who knows? I, I understand Graham saying something about fatigue, and that's a, a a key thing for that back shoulder dropping. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's a mechanical hitch. I think it's a bad thing that can be fixed. I think it's one of the easiest. It's one of the more common things that happen because once you start dropping, then you start uppercutting more often, and you open up and that's what happens with judge. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing him open up too early, trying to pull the ball and not yeah. close off. Look at, here's something that I saw. I found very interesting. If you look at who's probably the hottest hitter right now in baseball, the guy who's on a freaking tear is a very similar player. Giancarlo Stanton is basically having the second half of judges. First half. They're just going different. Where at, but, but Giancarlo Stanton didn't have a terrible first half. If you look at his stance, he's very closed off. He is able to hit the ball the other way. He's able to take what is given to him. But if that ball is coming inside, he's able to turn on the ball and still pull it to left field. That's what Judge was doing early in this season. And that's what he's not doing now. Staying closed for Aaron Judge, to me, is one of the biggest keys to his success when you're talking about mechanics and swinging the bat. There was a video, uh, or I saw a video highlight from Saturday's game, Judge struck out. I think it was a 3-2 pitch, and it was a fastball in the outside corner. He took it for strike three. And I think it was um, either O'Neill or Flaherty pointing out on the replay, his butt was going yeah. towards third base. Yeah. So he was like sticking out on an outside corner. So he's pulling out of the ball, and they actually drew a line yes. saying, look at where his back hip, look at where his hips are going. Wrong way. That's not the right way to go for Aaron Judge. And your shoulders follow your hips. Your hips are the lead for your body in the in this in the uh, when you're swinging a bat, your hips are going to fire off. Then everything else is going to follow it. If your hips are out and you're and they're opening up too fast, the rest of your body is going to open up, and that's and that could also cause the shoulder being dropped because your hips are firing too early. There's a million things that you can talk about with that, but that's a huge indicator that he is pulling out of the ball too early, trying to get there, and he's not going the other way. 
I, I don't know why they're not closing his stance again. I, that, I, it's baffling my brain. I don't know why. I would love to talk to Marcus Timms and Cockrell about this and why they're not closing his stance off again because it's very clear that when you look at him, it's different. And I don't know why they're letting him be, uh, be different. Why are they not drilling at that little place in Detroit or wherever the hell he's going to get his batting practice? Why are they not working with him to get that muscle memory back to close the stance? I don't know. The Tom Amansky Baseball Institute Clinic, whatever. Yeah, and maybe it has something to do with a left shoulder because if you think about it, when you're closed off and your your left shoulder um, can be more of that swing, you can feel it more. If you're opened up, you, you feel less of that shoulder. So maybe there is something like you to said, this left shoulder thing. The compensation thing where he knows he can't get beat on a fastball. He needs to pull out early like and, and open the hips so he can get around on a fastball that makes him so susceptible to the outside pitch. Speaking about Rudy's question of judge the anti-clutch, we had, uh, maybe this was a month ago, so I'm sure the numbers have changed, but judge's numbers with runners in scoring position were not that bad. He was hitting like 280, so it was, I think it was a little overblown. He just didn't have the huge walk-off hit, and he still doesn't. But with the way he's been going, of course his numbers are going to look terrible with runners in scoring position. His numbers are terrible no matter what the situation is. Yeah, it's... I'm not. I'm not going after a guy for the anti-clutch thing at this point. It's one. I want to see big situations. To me, that's that's uh, that, that's also telling. Um, but there needs to be a, a larger, uh, a larger sample size for this. I mean, we we know you can be named clutch very quickly if you start getting them early on, like DD and Toe. You can just tell these guys game up in situations. I feel like Clint Frazier is also that type of guy. I, just it seems to me like when a big situation is is upon them. They are loving it. They're more focused and they're locked in and, and able to go. So maybe San, maybe uh, there is something with Judge on that. Maybe there's a you know some kind of a mental um, shift that needs to be made in these big situations. But I, I'm not ready to kill him uh, just yet. It's it's a big it's a bigger thing than the clutch gene for him right now. It's a much bigger thing because he's he's yeah. just not playing well in general. And um, you know just quickly on that injury thing, get used to this because. That's a problem. If he is injured and, and we're not being uh, told about w- what this injury is, this guy's going to be knocked up, battered and bruised his entire career because that's what his body lends him to do. He's a big dude. He's going to, when he hits the ground, it hurts more. There's more impact. His body's going to feel it. And as we get further down the, his career, we're going to start seeing these, these types of injuries. And when he does have them, they're going to affect his swing way more than a guy who's 6'2". Because it's there's just a lot more, you know, distance to swing that bat, and a lot more times to uh, to try to hit that same muscle memory, and it's just not going to happen if you're hurt. It's it's going to be a problem. I also don't know how much I buy the the injury thing because he's been playing every day. If he was injured, Girardi would they'd put him on the DL. I don't think they would be hesitant about putting him on the DL yeah. or sitting him down for a couple of days if he was truly injured. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's you know maybe it's just something that's, that's nagging. It's just not a, a, a big serious thing. But you're right. Uh, you know we've seen that in the past where guys have had bone bruises or just something that is nagging that they're not able to go to their full extent and they're you know they they sit him down for ten days. And that can do wonders. It's not like they don't have guys that can play. They have guys who can fill in in the outfield and play. Um, so that's a good point. I, I don't know what to say to that other than, than maybe they just don't think it's a serious and uh, they think that he could play through it. 
Okay, guys, thank you for submitting the mailbag questions. Coming up, we do have voicemails. If you want to call the voicemail line, it's 646-480-0342. Before we get to voicemail, Scott, anything you want to say? Last time I looked, we were at, I think, 397 rates and reviews. Guys, please do this for us. We say it every week. Andrew gives you a very similar script. Don't tune him out. Whatever you do, do not tune him out. Go rate and review this podcast. We do need it. It, uh, it One, it makes us feel good. Like he said, it makes me feel very good. It puts a smile on my face. So I do appreciate that. But go and rate and review the podcast. Let's get over 400, please. And uh, let's make a solid push going into the playoffs. We want to take over the Yankees podcast rankings. We are on number one. We want to stay there. And uh, we have you guys to thank for it. So again, we really appreciate your support. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. This is to all the people on Twitter that said it was a bad idea to move Judge down the lineup to clean up. Well, Sanchez hit the home run. 493 feet. Judge gets the base hit. You win, what, 11-3? to Good enough for me. And we hit the over. Thanks, guys. Of all the freaking people that we thought that was going to be an enforcer on this game, we did not think it was going to be Austin Romine. Beautiful double leg there by Austin Romine. Way to go. I'm still the game still on. I hope the Yankees win. Go Yankees. I'm watching this Yankees-Tigers game on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Justin, he's a fucking bang. This is ridiculous. These umpires let this game get out of hand by throwing out Kane Weaver, and then Miguel Cabrera comes, and that little pussy starts throwing punches. This is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. We're going to end up with Seve, and Gary suspended because of this, because Gary came in and threw punches. This is so ridiculous. This team is out of a playoff race. Comes in. And this frustrated hitter who can't hit with a fucking damn comes in and he just starts throwing punches and he's getting our guys suspended and ruining our playoff game. Ah, I'm done. I'm watching this Yankees game right now, game three of this Tiger series, and I fucking love it. This is the baseball that we need. This is what the Yankees need to get fucking fired up. Let's fucking do it. Robertson just hit someone. Really hoping he doesn't get thrown out of the game right now. We really need him. Oh, he hit Hicks. This is crazy. Robinson came straight out of the bullpen, and now he hit someone. Obviously, unintentionally, but cool. Oh my gosh. Gary Sanchez is the man. Everybody's all about Aaron Judge, and I like Aaron Judge, but ever since last year, I'm all about Gary freaking Sanchez. Not only did he hit a bomb, but now he's out there throwing bows. Looking at the other team, come on, come on, like the badass he is, what a freaking goon, oh, and Robertson just hit another guy, this was getting crazy, go Yankees, go Gary freaking Sanchez, just drill everybody, just drill everybody, show them that we're the dirty ass Yankees, as they want to say, but real, just, we're just a bunch of badasses, I love it, I love it, later. Ooh, sitting here watching the game, wishing Detroit was the Red Sox. Already have the Boston fans message me nonsense. Why don't they hit Mookie Betts or Benintendi like this? All right, good show. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Holy shit, Robertson just hit another guy. 
This game is out of control. We're gonna lose so many players. This is not good for the playoffs, but I fucking love it. And fuck Mickey and his pussy ass bun. I almost don't expect to win this game, but come on, Robertson. Bases loaded, no outs. At least keep him to one run score, get a ground ball, double play. Let's try to win the game. These games are too important to give away, but no bullpen, no manager. I don't see us winning this game. Hi, it's Carolyn from Buffalo. I just have such newfound respect for Austin Romine. He's got guts. Love it. Love finally having a catcher that uh, is a true New York Yankee catcher. Hi, uh, I just wanted to say that um, I think it's unfortunate that the Yankees lost this game today. Um, they tied it up 6-6, and it was a really close game after that, and they just kind of let it slip away. Um, I think it's really messed up that, you know, this is going to hurt the Yankees more than the Tigers. The Tigers have nothing left to lose. The Yankees are still fighting for the playoffs. And it's unfortunate that, you know, all this fighting and, and brawling ensued. I mean, it's understandable why it occurred, but it's still unfortunate because it's going to hurt the Yankees more. Fuck anyone who comes from the city of Detroit. Gosh, what a game. That's part I think is Robert just flying out of the boat and like the flash. Oh my god. I wonder what his 40 time would be. Fuck the humps, fuck the tigers. Take care of business at home. Go Yank, baby. All I gotta say is the Detroit Tigers are fucking pussies, man. So is Miguel Cabrera. Fuck that guy. Still can't land a hit. Started waking up a, a sleeping giant. Talk about waking up a sleepy giant. Here we go, postseason. Bring that shit on. Old school Yankee baseball. Bring it on. Alright, boys. Let me tell you how fucking proud I am of my Yankees. They get out there and also in Romine gets in a fist fight for that bitch ass player Tigers, and I tell you, the Yankees cover their ass and cover each other. That's a true brotherhood. I'm fucking proud of that. I will say I'm most scared about suspensions, but it was amazing to look at. Keep it going, Yanks. Here we go. Fuck the suspensions. We're going to make it to the playoffs. All I have to say about the fight is, Nicky had about four inches on Romine and he just backed down. Atta boy, Romine. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris from Toronto, the Brawl. Oh my goodness. If this doesn't fire the guys up, I really don't know what will. You've got a hot guy like Fraser, Jersey Boy, getting heated. You've got a fucking massive man like Sanchez getting mad. I mean, Sanchez, you know, I love him. He shouldn't have thrown the sucker punches. But from that kind of point, though, you got to defend your teammates, right? So that's wrong with that. And I really would have loved to see Judge throw down on fucking Mickey's face. Love you guys. Let's go, Yankees! Where, where are the boos? Where are the fans? Can Aaron Judge get a boo? Is anyone else tired of these meaningless walks, these meaningless pop-ups? This whole team can't fucking hit. Wake up, Yankee Stadium. Where are the Bronx cheers? Some of these guys need a couple. Maybe it'll wake their asses up. I don't know if I can tell with another loss where Chapman gives up a home run. I, I can't do it anymore. They need to finish something out with him. They can put him on a 10 day, give him a couple of days off, something. But he's not cutting in any inning. He's getting ridiculous. I hope he trades his ass. I didn't think it was possible. 
But uh, I think Ellsbury's contract right now looks a lot better than freaking Chapman. Guy sucks ass. Andrew from Hell's Kitchen. Alright. My thoughts on the fight. Why was Fulmer not suspended? And why on earth was Romine suspended for defending himself? My thoughts on Chapman. He needs to be relegated to garbage time until he figures it out. Because the Seattle Mariners apparently all got drunk last night watching the McGregor fight. The McGregor Mayweather fight. I think we need all pitch in and send the Baltimore Orioles a nice big fruit basket. Big sweep of the Red Sox up in Fenway Park. Now the Orioles, now the Yankees, can go into Cleveland, beat the balls off them, get in first place. Let's go, Yankees. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.